Welcome to TBT's podcast. I'm Dan Friel. On this edition, Josh Brown's got a great interview with Tyshawn Taylor of Team Foe, F-O-E. Josh and Tyshawn were actually teammates at one point, which is a little story that Josh and Tyshawn will get into. One of those things that can only happen in TBT. TBT released its bracket this week, and if you haven't filled yours out yet, you're really missing out. There's some amazing prizes in there, including a decade's worth of eggs, the ability to select a team as an at-large bid in TBT 2018, and a whole bunch of other stuff, too, including half-court shots, money, and a lot of other stuff that I think you're going to love. If you haven't filled out that bracket yet, make sure that you go to thetournament.com, click on Bracket to complete yours for TBT 2017. If you're not following TBT on Twitter, you're missing out. It's at the tournament. If you're not following us on Facebook, you're missing out on even more. It's facebook.com backslash the tournament. And also on Instagram, we're the dot tournament for reasons previously discussed. Thanks again for listening to TBT's podcast. Let's get into the interview now with Josh Brown and Tyshawn Taylor. Welcoming in now to the TBT podcast, a very special guest today, a member of Team Foe, family over everything, Tyshawn Taylor, joining the TBT podcast. Tyshawn, how are you? I'm good. How about you guys? I'm good. Doing well, Tyshawn. We're excited to have you guys back in TBT. I, I you know, was looking at the calendar today. We're only about a month away. It's kind of crazy. It's already back, huh? Yeah, it happened, happened quick. Absolutely, and you guys obviously made a deep run in uh, TBT last year, looking to get back and do just that. But uh, I got to start with, you know, the people who listen to the podcast regularly, they know the story, but maybe some new Kansas fans might not know. But So this is actually your third year in TBT. You played with FOE last year, but the year before that, you actually played with me, uh, the team that I kind of helped begin in TBT, the Jabroni Project. Um I've always wondered, Tyshawn, so I was just kind of a random kid tweeting you, asking you to play on the team. Like, what did, what made you decide to play on that team? <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't really know much about the tournament at the time. I, it was the first year. And, um, yeah, I, it was a couple of people that hit me up kind of after you did, but you were first. And so I kind of just stuck with who I, who I promised first. Um, and then I guess as the tournament – the tournament happened. The first year was a, a success. The second year, um, we had more time to prepare for it, and so I guess I just got just got with my guys. But yeah, it was just it was just something that was going on. I had nothing to do, and I was like, let's play basketball. Let's win some money. And you know, and you hit me up. Yeah, and we again, we really we, obviously we loved having you on that team. I was always surprised though that you actually showed up, and, and obviously we all loved having you. Just we're gonna get to foe, obviously, but um, I, I always think about that team. We obviously only played one game together, but uh, our second best, you know, our, who should have been our second best scorer, Will Graves, who I know you've played against in Israel. He was injured. If he plays in TBT, how far do you think that team makes it? Be honest. If you think we get bounced first round, then say it. But how far if he plays, do you think we could have made it? Um, I'm not sure how the rosters were set up that year. I know the team that obviously won it was a good team and ended up winning it again last year. But we for sure, if we had Will, would have won the game that we lost. Um, I think we only needed one more person to kind of shoot the ball or space like space the court a little bit. Um, I think I pre- I remember having like playing pretty good, but remember it being like super packed in the paint every time I was driving and not really, yeah, just not really having a another person to kind of like knock down shots at like during that time. And again, like you say, it was a bunch of guys who just got put together 
I flew there the night before. We tried to get a practice in, but we really couldn't. I remember that. And so it was kind of like, you know, just come out there, throw the ball up and play. Even with a day or two of practice, that team wins the first round, you know? Even with the guys we had, we went, we beat the team that we lost to, for sure. Definitely. In our second round game, we would have actually played Overseas Elite, uh, <laughs> who's won two years in a row. So I don't know how that would have gone, but it would have been interesting to at least uh, see. So we, we actually had uh, your coach, Marcus Morris, on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and he said, speaking of Overseas Elite, that he would love to play Overseas Elite, and he thinks that uh, you guys would beat Overseas Elite. And then I actually talked to DJ Kennedy, who I know uh, is your guy. Um, and he's, you know, he's a two-time champion with Overseas Elite. He said he would love to play you guys this summer as well. So how do you think, how would you envision that matchup co- going? You know, you guys, Marcus, um, all your Kansas guys going up against the two-time champions. Yeah, we know we know a lot of the guys off those teams. Uh, I just actually seen DJ in Vegas for Memorial Day and said with Subten. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a competitive thing, and we, we, we all competitors. And, I mean, we play basketball in the summer all summer long against other people and, and do things like that. So to play for some money is just to make it a little bit more fun. But, um, those, I mean, I mean, those guys had two great summers. And so we just kind of want to come and try to knock them off that, knock them off that little, that little, you know, that little streak they're going. Yeah, they got a little streak, so we just kind of try to shake things up a little bit, give give people another champion, I think. But they're a good team, I mean, but I think we match up with them well. We know their roster's pretty good, if, if it's the same as the last couple of years. And I think we match up with them good. I think last year we matched up with them good, but we were we had a couple pieces missing. But this year, we matched up for them. I think Marcus may have mentioned that, but we matched up for them. We got the right pieces to match up with all of their guys and, I think if we if we get a chance to meet if 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 the thing if the tables play out right and we get a chance to meet at any point it's going to be a really good game, um, and I think just depending on how the you know how the ball goes, either team can win. But I think we're really I think we're just as good if not a better team for sure, better players if not as just as good players. Yeah, you, I mean, you guys really, just what you've done for two years in a row with the roster, it's really kind of amazing. I mean, yourself, you have Mario Little, you have Michael Thompson. I mean, it goes on and on. Elijah Johnson, a very good uh, player as well. So you guys have done a great job there. One thing that Marcus mentioned when we were talking in TBT, because you just mentioned how you guys kind of put the roster to kind of match up with a team like them. Um, one thing that Marcus mentioned was how important guard play is in TBT. He said the biggest, um, you know, without a doubt, the biggest uh, kind of factor is how good are your guards is that something you agree with that that's kind of the most important kind of piece you have to build around in a tournament like tbt um i think i think the first year if you had a really good big you had a chance to win and i think the last couple years i think it's definitely the guard play because um you know it's college rules so it's a lot of spacing and you got to be able to take care of the ball and um make shot and just make the right plays i think um I think Overseas Elite won it the last two years because they had really good, good guard play, but they also had guys who just knew how to play basketball, time and score, when to go get a good shot, not really competing with each other, more so just playing to win. And I think if we, I think if we play like that and we and we get on the same page as far as just, you know, being on the same page as far as just going out there to win, doesn't matter who's who's scoring the most or who's making the plays. Uh, we got the right pieces to to win to win the TBT for sure. 
One thing that people always talk about in TBT2 is how the alumni teams, how they have an advantage because they played together in college and, um, you know, they all care about each other. And I know you guys aren't an alumni team, but the one thing I've always found fascinating about your team is how much off the court you guys really care about each other. I mean, it, it says it right in their name, but you guys are all kind of a family. Can you just kind of talk about maybe that off the court dynamic between all you guys a little bit? Yeah, well, I mean, it's not an alumni team, but it kind of is. I mean, Marcus and Markeith aren't playing, but they they went to Kansas. I went to Kansas. Mario Little went to Kansas. Elijah Johnson went to Kansas. Um, Thomas Robinson, who was another coach, he went to Kansas. So that's that's the Kansas alumni, and then those guys are from Philly. And you know, we got a Malik Wayne, and we got Sean Evans, who are two Philly guys who grew up with the Twins, and who I played basketball against my entire life, and. Uh, same with T-Rob. He played against those guys his entire life. Malik and Elijah are the same class. They've been playing against each other for AAU. AAU. So, we, I mean, we've known each other for a long time. And like you said, we, we, we're always together. Like, summertime, we're working out together or playing against each other in tournaments and things like that. So, we're together a lot just hanging out off the court. So, I mean, basketball, I mean, when we, when we, when we on the court, it just kind of come natural because we all are good and we all had good careers, college careers, some guys in the NBA, some guys are really uh, still playing professionally overseas. So, I mean, when we get together, I mean, we, I mean, we, like I said, we got a roster that's just as good as anybody because we got guys who are still playing basketball, who's still working out every day, who's still training, who's still effective, who's still making good money playing basketball. So, Definitely. And uh, obviously, you guys certainly made a you know a deep run. You lost to City of Gods, who ended up making the semifinals. But, um, you know, the only team that's beaten them is overseas elite. So what, what's the one thing, do you think, on the court that you guys need to change, like an adjustment? What do you guys need to do better, just strictly basketball-wise, to be able to, uh, you know, make it, you know, farther than you did and maybe all the way to the $2 million? Well, we need Mario Little on our roster for sure this time, because last year he didn't, he, uh, he was on the roster, but... He had to go overseas to get some guaranteed money, which we all understood. But this year we got Mario, so that's a major key. And I think we just gotta, I think we gotta just take it a little bit more serious. I think that's one thing we have to do: is take it a little bit more serious. You know, be punctual, be on time, like, like take it for real. Because I think we were showing up a little bit late last year and kind of just getting there to play, not really warming up. But this year we're gonna lock in. We're gonna take it more serious. We're gonna be more focused. And we just got to play to win, man. We got a lot of guys who individually are really good players, just like overseas elite. I'm sure when they go to their own countries and different overseas teams, they're the man or they're one of the main guys. But when they come together for the TBT this summer to play, they kind of, you know, they all just play. They just play to win. So I think we got to get that same mentality, play to win. And if we do that and we can get on the same page as far as just doesn't matter who's scoring 30 today or who's, the leading scorer who's making a play, just make the right play, play together, play hard, and we'll we'll win. That's for sure because we're talented, well coached, <laughs> and we know how to play basketball. Yeah, I was going to say, I really was fascinated watching Marcus coach you guys. And one thing when we I talked to him, he mentioned how, you know, his coaching is kind of, he'll give you a little bit of direction, but then he'll let the guys kind of um, take over and do what they know how to do. Just talk about how he's done coaching the team. And I know it's kind of been a different adjustment for him. I mean, he's never coached before, but just the job he's done coaching you guys and kind of letting you guys do your own thing, but giving you that direction when you need it. Yeah, when you got when you play when you got a, a bunch of guys who play professionally, you don't have to really coach much. You, you got to, like you said, give them some insight on what you see, 
and let them go out there and make the adjustments. You don't really have to do too much coaching. So, um, and Marcus been well coached his whole life too. So he he knows the game well enough to be a coach. Um, so I mean, and and he's and he's coaching guys who've been well coached their whole lives and know how to play. So, like I said, it's not much coaching being done. It's more chatter, just kind of letting us know what he sees out there, and let like like he said, letting us make the adjustments. Absolutely, and uh, really looking forward to seeing him, Mark Heath, and if uh, T-Rob ends up coming back, coach you guys. So a little bit about you. I mean, obviously the Kansas fans are going to know it, but for the TBT fans um, who may not, from uh, New Jersey, end up going to St. Anthony, really famous basketball school. You played for Bob Hurley, and then you end up going to Kansas from 2008 to 2012, made the championship game your senior year, had really one of the the great years uh, in college basketball. Well, when you look back on you know your your you know life growing up prior to becoming a professional, what's like one or two moments you kind of look at as maybe a defining moment? Is it uh, something at St. Anthony? Is it making that championship game at Kansas? What like when you look back before you turn professional? What are one or two moments you kind of look at? Uh, well, I, I think my senior year of high school, we were a really good team and. We had about six or seven guys go D1 on that team, like high major D1. And I was like maybe the fifth or sixth best out of the seven guys that went D1 and ended up going to the biggest school. So when I chose the decision to go to Kansas, it was kind of a big deal because people were just like, ah, we don't really know. You may get recruited over. You may not play much, blah, blah, blah. Then I came to Kansas my freshman year, and I started every game almost except for like maybe two or something like that. So I think that was huge for me. People not really knowing who I was going to be or how good I was and then coming to Kansas with a, basically an open roster everybody knew and just being able to like win a starting spot and then maintain my starting spot my whole freshman year playing good. That was legit. And then obviously, like you said, my championship game, just having that whole senior season because I, I went back and forth with my coach with myself and some of my teammates about leaving after my junior year and I ended up coming to a decision with Thomas, with T Rob. Like we just gonna stay and try to, you know, play play ourselves to get drafted basically, like because we we could end up not or, you know, falling deeper into the draft if anything. And so we came back and had like amazing years, both of us. And we both got drafted and it was just a really good year, really good situation and Probably, I mean, statistically the best year I had in college, but just like probably the funnest, one of the funnest, one of the funnest years I had because I was able to just freely play basketball and not think about being subbed or not think about, not think about, not think about anything except just playing. And so it ended up being really good for me. And that was, I love that Kansas team because kind of like your your team in TBT, like you could just tell with that team, it was more than kind of just a team, how much you guys really cared about each other on the court. And then, like you mentioned, you make the championship game, Um, you know, just kind of not to bring up bad memories, but what's it like to kind of battle with those guys all year long? College basketball's a grind. It's a long year. It's tough. You're traveling. You're in class. What's it like to really have those experiences and then go to the championship game and fall, you know, a couple second short what's that like I mean it makes it all worth it when you actually get to the championship like all of the things you, you before you even jump up before the championship game even starts to get to that moment to be in the championship when you know you're one of two teams left of college basketball um it just makes all of the early practices hard practices the, 
the fighting, the crying, the bitching and complaining that you've done, it makes it all worth it. It makes that, that this one last game all worth it. So whatever happens after that, I mean, you, obviously as a competitor, you want to win, but whatever happens, you you got to hang your hat on the success and just feel comfortable. And especially for us, because I feel like we overachieved. The team, talent-wise, was the worst I, I, I was a part of, one through, like, top to bottom my four years in Kansas. Like, it was just, was like, compared to the other three years, this was not, not as good of a team. And we made it the furthest. So, for us, we overachieved. So, just to be there, we just tried to embrace it and enjoy it. Uh, for, like, the first 15 minutes after the game, I kind of was sad and I cried. But then when I thought back on all the games in the tournament, all the games le- leading up to the tournament, the conference tournament, winning the conference championship for like 13 straight times, being a part of four in a row, like just everything I had done in college at that moment and to do it my senior year, it was like my last game actually playing in college. It was amazing for me. It was just, there's nothing I could be sad about or upset about even losing that game. They were a better team. We played them earlier that year. They beat us by like 20 points. They were just a clearly better team. So just to be there, um, being that moment, playing in front of 75,000 people, I mean, it was just a, it was just an amazing feeling that I probably won't ever forget. <laughs> it really a, a fantastic way of summing it up, especially for the younger uh, guys, you know, the younger kind of up and coming players out there. Really good perspective. They're really just a, a, a really great way to look at that situation. And then you obviously end up getting drafted. Uh, you go to Portland. You end up getting traded to Brooklyn. Um, in that moment, when you're drafted, again, you're a kid. You like to, you know, talk about it a lot. Uh, I see, you know, on Twitter and stuff. You come from uh, Hoboken, New Jersey. Um, really, another kind of tight knit community. But what's it like in that moment, being coming from a kid from Hoboken to getting drafted? What are you thinking in that moment? <laughs> Mama, we made it. <laughs> Honestly, I couldn't think anything else. It's like a dream come true. Honestly, you think about stuff like that as a kid, like. Like watching the next play and like, you know, just having a Jason Kidd jersey as a kid, a Vince Carter jersey as a kid, like this is crazy to be a net. Like like a little part of me was like I almost wish they were still the New Jersey Nets just simply because but we were still everything was still in New Jersey, the practice gym, I my move to Hoboken, like I, I bought my spot in Hoboken. So it was like like a dream come true, you know, it's like kind of how you kind of like, when you're thinking about it, you dream of this, just dreamt that way. And I never, I never dreamt past that moment in my life being drafted just that day. <laughs> and it happened and I was like satisfied and it happened to be home. So it was cool. I didn't have to like fly the next morning after the draft to go to my team. I just stayed home. I went and visited the coaches in the office and I drove right back home. It was just, it was just a, just a good feeling. Definitely, and then you mentioned having a, a Jason Kidd jersey. You know, before you know it, you're you're playing with him, and uh, you know, you look to your left, and Paul Pierce is there. You look to your right, KG is there. I mean, that must have been kind of a surreal kind of moment once you guys get together, too. Yeah, that was ridiculous for a young guy coming like coming right in. That was my second year with Jason Kidd and Paul and KG, but even my first year playing with Joe Johnson and Dan Williams, who. At one point, was my favorite point guard in the NBA, and then having Avery Johnson, who won a championship as a point guard, and just being around this atmosphere and in the environment, being in the NBA was a unreal, unreal, humbling experience for me. But also, it was like, again, I made it. I'm here. I want to 
prove myself. I want to play. And I never really got the chance, but the experience alone was amazing. Just to say I've been there was was great. But, um, yeah, and like like you said, you just named like three Hall of Famers that I coached, played against, or played with, and that's amazing to say. Obviously, too. Uh, I mean, you you st- I know you maybe didn't get all the minutes you wanted, but you certainly made the most of them when you're in there. Really played great, and then I know you got a couple of spot starts too. When um, I think when when Darren went down with an injury. I uh, before we get to your your overseas career, this is something that I think people can laugh about now that it's over. It's in the past. What happened with that cup incident? Um, it was actually a really good a good idea. We had no timeouts left and it was like the end of the game, maybe like 10 seconds left, eight seconds left. We had no timeouts. And so we needed the last second play. The ball went out of bounds and he was trying to draw up a play, but he didn't have enough time because it was like the ref was trying to get the ball in. So he subbed me out, subbed me in to sub me right back out. But as I'm subbing out, he's like, bump, like kind of like, Mouths bumped me, <laughs> and but he like put like he did it like three times. And I was like, what? And then as I'm walking towards him to bump him, I see him raising a cup, and I was like, oh okay. And then I kind of like, you know, threw my shoulder into him a little more, and he drops the cup. And as the guys come to clean it up, he draws up a play that ended up working. We ended up getting a last shot. Paul Pierce coming off the downstream. I remember it, and he just missed it. <laughs> so it was like a timeout. <laughs> It was like an unofficial timeout almost. It was a great idea. It just was a blooper. Yeah. It still is. I always... Somebody just made me take a picture because they loved it. I was just, <laughs> I'm in Kansas playing this charity game, and this lady comes up to me after the game as I'm signing autographs and goes, that's one of my favorite NBA <laughs> NBA moments. And I was just <laughs> like, you must not watch a lot of NBA, but they well, you know, I, you guys got heat after that, which I didn't get at all. I mean, it was a, it was kind of a funny, just quirky thing. He, you know, uh, it got you guys a play. We ended up, getting, ended up getting fined, I think. Yeah, you did. Jason got fined, I think. <laughs> he did. Which is ridiculous when you think about it. Again, it was just kind of a, a funny thing. I mean, is that kind of something that... Uh, when you look at sports as a whole, that's something that bothers me. They kind of take the fun away from it. You know, they talk about integrity of the game. Uh, it seems like that should just be something you kind of laugh off, huh? Yeah, that was that was funny, but I understand. I mean, I get it why he got why he got fined because I mean <laughs> <laughs> that's why they give you a certain amount of time out. I guess. Yeah, but I mean, and if he was a little bit more slick, he wouldn't have got fined. He just was like. <laughs> Bump me clear as day so everybody in the world could see what he was saying. But anyway, it worked. You got the last second shot. Well, you know what? You you guys will, both of you, will that play will, or that moment will live in NBA history forever. But uh, obviously after that, you've had really a, a great career. I mean, you've played in the D-League, Puerto Rico. You've played in Russia, Venezuela, Israel, Turkey. I mean, for someone who grows up, you obviously dream of having a long career in the NBA. But you hear so many guys who, once they talk about going overseas, really embracing it. I mean, you're making a really great living over there, depending on the situation, obviously. Um, you know, you're playing high-level basketball. Have you kind of embraced that overseas life? I know it was tough for you at the beginning, but have you kind of come out, come around on it a little bit? Yes, it's, it's getting easier to to get through the seasons. Um, the more the more time I spend over there, um, it's an adjustment and it's a grind, but it's worth it if basketball is what you do. You know, and that's 
what I do. So <clears throat> that's what I do. Yeah. I, I go overseas and I, and I, and I play basketball. I play well and I keep trying to, you know, make more money or move up in leagues and just, just try to keep playing and just try to keep enjoying, enjoying the game and doing what I love and taking care of my family. You know, um, it's 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 not how you it's not how you you know envision it or how you write it out, but it is what it is. You just embrace it and take advantage of it. You uh, you know, you stay thankful and hum and, and humbled that you have the opportunity to do that and that you're healthy enough to do that. And you know, you just grind it out. Definitely. And Marcus mentioned how. Um when he looks at guys like um, you and you know, obviously a bunch of your guys are overseas, but you know, and then I look at guys like DJ Kennedy who's playing overseas and Marcus mentioned that he thinks the line between overseas, you know, you leagues you're playing in the top level leagues, Israel, Turkey, etc. The line between guys like you um, or, you know, guys playing in those leagues and the NBA, he said it's really so thin. It just kind of comes down to the circumstance you're in. You know, now that you've kind of had experience in both, how big is the talent discrepancy between the NBA and then someone playing in Israel or Turkey? Because, uh, like I said, Marcus said it's really a thin line. There's really not a difference at all. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a difference between the competition. I think if you're naming specific guys, it's, it's definitely a handful or more than a handful of guys that are playing in top leagues overseas that, could, that probably are getting NBA offers or NBA looks or you know, uh, interest and that could play in the NBA because if you ask me, if you ask guys that I play with in the summertime or guys that I play with overseas, you can go down the list of NBA point guards and I'm, I feel like I'm in a conversation with a lot of them, you yeah. know, and I'm sure if you ask somebody like DJ Kennedy at his position, he'll tell you the same thing. And I'm sitting here with Mario Little and I know if you ask him, he'll tell you the same thing. So it's definitely guys, ex NBA players that's overseas right now, guys that, has summer league jobs or like D league jobs um, that's overseas right now and that can for sure play in the NBA with the right opportunity and right situation and be an NBA player and be effective maybe um, can help your team. I, I, I truly believe that. I truly believe that. I'm on a team with at least three or four of them. Malik Waynes is another one. Yeah. Mario Little, like I said, Elijah Johnson is another one I think who never really got an NBA chance who I think could be a, a good NBA point guard or, you know, decent anyway or with the right with the right team and stuff like that, just just be effective. Be if not really good or superstar, be effective in the NBA and talent wise just as good as a lot of NBA point guards. So um I think Marcus is right on with that. It's the 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 the, the, the line between the guys you know could be in the NBA and the guys that are in the NBA are is really thin. But then you you go you got one or two of those guys in the league overseas or one or two of those guys per team and overseas, so the competition isn't going to be the same. The games aren't going to be as competitive. It's not going to always be as tough. You're going to run into one or two Americans that you know are really nice, and they're going to have a few foreigners who are really nice, um, or native native guys, I should say, that are really good. Um, but it's just top to bottom. It's just not as it's just not as good talent wise. Right. But I mean, it's 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 a bunch of guys over there that for sure sure to play in the NBA, and I know that I'm one of them. Absolutely, and I'm not going to take too much time because you've been very generous with your time, but does it frustrate you? I've got to imagine at some level. I know you're you know, you're still either way getting paid to play basketball, which you can't, I mean, nothing beats that, but uh, I mean, when I look at TBT, 
guys like you mentioned there yourself dj kennedy malik waynes i mean these are all nba guys like you mentioned i mean on some level does it always kind of frustrate you a little bit uh i would be lying if i said i didn't get frustrated but i understand the game i'm i've over my time i understand the business part about basketball and i know that it's more than just being good it's a lot more that comes with why they give guys money or why guys get jobs so it's frustrating when you watch it because I'm a point guard or I play that position. And so when I watch the NBA, I look at the top 10 point guards in the NBA, the Kyrie Irving, Steph, the Russell, the James Harden. And that's like the most elite position, one through 10, I think. I feel like the point guard position, every night you're going to play against a Damian Lillard. You're going to have a John Wall one night. You're going to have a... Kimba one night. It's not really a slouch at that position. One through like maybe a 10, 11, and then after that, the backup position gets really shaky. Like each team has a, a backup, but they're not like really great. They're just good at being you know, they're good. They're good backups. They're good NBA backups. But they're not. But the position is really elite. One through ten, and then it just it just goes to like okay, you know. Yeah. And I sit there um, and I and I I get the running down list of. Damn, I could probably do that, or I could do that. I'm just this, this time. I'm just, but I mean, that's just a competitor in me, you know. But I get it. Not taking away from any of these guys because they all deserve to be there. All obviously are good enough to play in the NBA. So that's just me being a competitor. But for sure, it gets a little frustrating. But it doesn't stop my job. It doesn't stop me from competing. It doesn't stop me from picking up the basketball. It doesn't like kill my confidence at all. It's, it, I mean, it just is what it is, you know. I know that I'm really good at basketball. I know that I've been well coached. I know how to play the game. I play the game at the highest level, so that's never. I'm never gonna like. I'm not getting. I'm not becoming the worst basketball player because I didn't get my chance in the NBA. You know, some guys will. Some guys will stop playing. Some guys will just be like fuck it. Yeah, I, I haven't done that. I quite. I haven't done that. So. Definitely. And uh, again, I'm going to wrap up here, but you, you really have some great insight and really, a really just kind of great outlook. Have you ever thought about a coaching career when your playing days are done? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, I guess I thought about it because I got to think about life after basketball, but um, I haven't given it much consideration. I mean, I know that I really like basketball. I know that that's what I've dedicated most of my life to and most of my time to. So, I would love to have an opportunity to coach and teach people the game at some level, maybe one day. Um, yeah, but I, I haven't really thought much. I still got a lot left in these legs, I feel like. So I'm going to try to max these out first and then see <laughs> it's about coaching, you know? Absolutely. Three rapid-fire questions, one sentence or less, and then we'll let you go. Uh, it might be over by the time people hear this, but uh, can the Cavs, can they come back from 3-0 and win or now, or is it a wrap? Absolutely. If they get game five, they win game seven. Wow. You think so? I do. You know, I agree. I think the Cavs are going to win. Interesting. That seems like everyone's uh, kind of uh, thinking about that, which is, again, very interesting. Uh, number two, favorite country you've played in and your favorite food from that country? My favorite country would probably have to be Israel, just because it's kind of easy to get around and move around. Everybody speaks English. My favorite food would have to just be I don't know. Probably just, I, I don't know because I was eating <laughs> regular food like McDonald's and pizza and stuff. Right. I don't know. 
Yeah, well, they do have a lot of uh, Americanized parts of Israel, so certainly makes sense. Three, feel free to lie about this answer. Where do I rank on your all-time teammate list? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, that's a funny question. But you got to be, like, high middle to low, I guess. Like, in the high middle to low, I'll play with a lot of guys. There you go. I'll take it. (laughs) Uh, well Tyshawn we really appreciate your time I'm looking forward to seeing you coming up in TBT real quick why should people go vote for Team Foe right now because we the realest baby and you want to see some good basketball you need us in there man we got a good talented team that's going to come compete and bring the city out with us you playing in Philly all of us most of us are from that area so we're going to have a lot of people with us it's going to be crazy you heard it from him. FOE. FOE, family over everything. They'll be com- be competing in the Northeast Regional at Philadelphia University. Tyshawn, we really, really appreciate your time. Thank you guys for having me, man. It was a good, it was a good interview. I loved it. Thank you. 